Here's what's coming up on today's show. You can really fund these 529s, and then the child can be set up for you know potentially re- retirement funds with all the excess, and you're starting that process 50 years early. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he can be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. Well, hello and welcome into the Retirement Power Play podcast. Glad to have you on the show today. I'm Ben George. He's Tim Dyer, Dyer Wealth Management. Tim, I don't know, know how many people actually paid any attention to... Um, well, the legislation in general, there's always these acts that are coming out and they're filled, they're just full of stuff, right? But at mm-hmm. the end of last year, Secure Act 2.0 was passed as part of a big omnibus bill, I think. So it, was, you know, it got buried. Plus, it was the end of the year. So people are you know, living life and the holidays and that sort of thing. So it came through, and I think people might have heard of it. But this is actually something that matters for retirement, right? Yeah, this is important. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking about legislation just come out. You know, when these things come out, they're thousands of pages um, and politicians have to sort of look through them quickly if they can to see what's hidden in them but you know we, we've got other people that uh, from a financial standpoint kind of pull out the information as it relates to financial topics now secure is a is a financial related bill but what i wanted to do is just go over uh, you know i've got three or four things in my mind that really um have impact for for people especially retirees that this legislation, you know, announced and is now passed. So, yeah, let's uh, let's take a look at some of these. Okay, and remember, if you have questions, and I would encourage you to sit down and actually go through some of this because there's, I think, ninety something provisions in this uh, Secure Act 2.0. Obviously, it won't all affect you, but there are some things that uh, might be worth considering for your retirement plan. Eight five eight four five nine. 3937 is a number. Uh, where do you want to start, Tim? What do you think is most important here? Well, you know, when you think of retirement, one of the the key issues, uh, or, or I, I should say dates that people think of is, uh, is was well, 70 and a half. Now, that got pushed back with previous legislation uh, from 70 and a half to 72. And now, uh, excuse me, we're talking about ages, but let me just clarify. We're talking about the RMD age, and that's just a okay. three-letter acronym for uh, required minimum distribution. All right. Right now, you can put money into retirement accounts, as we know, and the money grows tax-deferred. Um, it's meaning it's not taxed along the way. But when you start taking it out, that's when the government or the IRS gets their money. So they can't let that go on in perpetuity. And so required minimum distributions are really the way that the government imposes, okay, it's time for us to start collecting on some of this money. Um, In previous years, when you reach the age, the the year that you were 70 and a half, that is the year that you had to start taking out your required minimum distributions. Um, Again, that's gotten pushed back to 72 uh, in, in 2020 with COVID, the Secure Act 1. They pushed it back. Now, for anyone born between uh, 1951 and 1958, the starting age is now 73. Um, now, if you were born in 1959 or later, that age is now 75. So, you know, in a couple years, uh, it's going to transfer to 75. You have to start taking those required minimum distributions. Now, let me just say one thing here about these. The tricky part with RMDs 
is you have less control over the income that you have that's getting taxed. Now, for a lot of people, they're, they're not working anymore at that age, and so the, the paychecks aren't coming in from W-2 or employment. It's coming in from their investment savings, okay? Now, in some cases, people are, are taking out income uh, you know, that's enough to meet their needs on an annual basis along with other income sources like pensions or Social Security. But when you get to that RMD age, the government is, in, in a lot of cases, making you take out more than what you might already need. And that, in some cases, can push you up into a higher tax bracket. Now, for these baby boomers that have saved for years and years and years and done what they've been told to do, right, get as much money into retirement, you're responsible now instead of your parents, which were covered by pensions. Um, there's some big retirement accounts out there. You know, I, I see them all the time, a million dollars, two million, five million dollars. Um, I think aside from Peter Thiel's billion dollar IRA, I think the biggest I've seen is about 10 million um, where there was some company stock in there. But, you know, the point is, is that what you'll find, and especially with a, high, a lot of higher net worth people, is that they're forced to take out anywhere, you know, it could be from 100000 50000 100000 It could be, you know, $200,000 uh, or more uh, per year. They have to take it out, which, which gets taxed at potentially uh, higher rates than what they would otherwise like. So I maybe a little bit long-winded, but that is a big one. Um, now, by pushing back the, these RMDs from you know, age 70 and a half to 75 over the coming years. That's a good thing because it delays some of that taxation, but it also allows those accounts to get bigger over those five years. And now there's less time for that calculation of, of how much you have to distribute. And so it, really the distributions are going to be even bigger. So uh, in, in this case, it can be a double-edged sword, the RMD. But that's one that's going to affect everybody, right? So no matter kind of where you stand, this is uh, one part of this Secure Act 2.0 that will impact you. Um, what beyond this caught your attention? Yeah, and by the way, good point. I mean, this is something that affects anybody yeah. if, uh, if you have assets in a retirement account. Um, so the next one is, uh, is actually a, a positive one. For anyone over 50, there's a what we call a retirement account catch-up contribution. And uh, that amount is going to be $7,500 in 2023. So you can make um, contributions to your retirement account, and they allow you to make an additional contribution, which they call catch-up, if you're over the age of 50. So retirement accounts are uh, the, the values. I'm looking at my table here on the whiteboard, uh, 20... Yeah, 2023, the IRA contribution is $6,500. Um, if you're over 50, you can contribute $7,500. Now, it's funny. We, we talked about this before. I mean, these numbers are, are always kind of moving and changing. So um, I remember when I, when I started in the business, it was $2,000 so you could put into a retirement account. So, yeah. uh, it, you know, significantly more. But that's important. That little extra bit, you know, allows you to... Um, you know, get more money, especially if you got a late start, or if not, you know, get some more money uh, into those retirement accounts growing tax deferred. Well, you talk about the 2000 to where we are now. I mean, is this all just based on inflation? Is that why this changes? Or is the government really looking out for us to be able to stock more away and, and be in better position for retirement? 
Well, again, I think it's it, it's two sides of the same coin. On the first part, um, yes, people are. Uh, the statistics show that you know Americans are extremely underfunded in their retirement, and so allowing this, yeah, maybe helps them close some of the gap between the money that they need and the money that they've saved. But guess what? <laughs> you know, the reason our friend Uncle Sam, or, or more specifically, the, this legislation is created, is because. If people don't take care of themselves, it's going to fall on everybody else, right? And the government's going to have to potentially pick up the tab of having people that uh, you know don't have enough income, they don't have money to pay for health care, and it can create you know a slippery slope. So, you know, while we like to think uh, you know the best interest is at heart here, there are some reasons why they are allowing this. I'll add one other thing too. Um, beginning in year twenty twenty five. Um, that catch-up contribution is going to go uh, for anyone between ages 60 and 63. They can make a catch-up contribution up to $10,000. So, um, not quite doubling, but uh, you know, a, a big extra amount uh, that can make uh, uh, that contribution of 10,000. So, those are the uh, the second one, this, the catch-up contributions, and it's an important part. All right, there's one that kind of caught my eye uh, as a father of a young child and someone that's putting money into a 529 and in the hopes that still my daughter will get a scholarship somewhere, Tim, right? And I won't have to pay <laughs> for any of the education. But mm-hmm. there's now the 529 to Roth transfer option. I'm sure it comes with a lot of specifics about what you need to do, and what you can do, and what you're able to transfer. But the option now that you'll have uh, the ability to roll over some of that money from the 529 plan into a Roth seems to be a pretty big positive. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple things to unpack. First and foremost, when one of the bigger concerns, when we think about uh, college or higher education um, expenses or college funding, the first thing is, okay, I've got to start saving. How much do I need to save and how much time do I have to do it you know, before my kid goes away and this bill uh, goes away to school and these bills start coming in? But the second thing is, well, okay, if I've got a really young child and I'm ahead of the game and I'm putting in money, maybe sometimes even before they're born, um, the, the concern might be, hey, what if I overfund this and the kid gets a you know, hockey scholarship or an <laughs> academic scholarship and none of this money is quote-unquote you know, used for higher education? Well, on the one hand, you, you can transfer that balance to another sibling, another person, anyone really. Um, it, it could even be a relative if, if that made sense. But So the money wouldn't necessarily go unused. Keep in mind, you can always take money out of a Roth IRA if you're not using it, to, uh, excuse me, a 529, if you're not using it for college education. It just is taxable. If you're using it for higher education, it's tax-free. That's very powerful. Um, that's a very powerful feature. So now with the Secure Act 2.0, they've allowed um, 529s that are, you know, quote-unquote, overfunded, and maybe more money's left over after the child has used the college expenses. You can now offset that and roll that into um, a Roth IRA. Now, again, just to brush up on the Roth IRA, that's money that goes in um, and it grows tax-deferred. It's not tax-deferred along the way, but when it comes out, it's 100% tax-free. Again, very, very powerful tool, especially if tax rates are going to be significantly higher in the future. For a, a child at 18... You know, they go through school, maybe come out there 21, 22. 
they they essentially have a, a real head start on a tax free fund to use for their retirement, which that money probably won't be used for twenty or thirty years, you know, at a minimum. And mm-hmm. so um, it's really a that that can have a really big impact. So I think the thing is is because there's limitations of how much money you can get into a Roth IRA without using some corporate I don't want to say loopholes, but possibilities or options. You can really fund these 529s and then the child can be set up for, you know, potentially re- retirement funds with all the excess. And you're starting that process 50 years early, you know, assuming the child is you know, young, like my right. kids are. So uh, kind of an interesting one sort of came out of nowhere. But uh, taking a close look at it, uh, I think if if you have somebody that's in, uh, a child that's in school and may not be using all those funds, uh, or you are have a young child, you're just starting to think about college education planning. Um, this gives you even more incentive to, you know, no matter what it is, maybe get some uh, systematic contributions going to that plan. And I have a really big impact, especially over, you know, decades. One thing I didn't see, and I'm not sure if this was mentioned, but let's say you are in that position where you decide to roll over that some of that 529 money into a Roth. Do you still avoid paying any taxes on the gains to that 529 when you roll it over? Or do you have to pay the taxes like you would, say, an IRA when you roll over to a Roth? Mm, yeah. Well, uh, that's a good question. So what you're saying is if you're using a traditional IRA and you're converting that to a Roth IRA, mm-hmm. you got to pay the taxes on that transaction. I call it you got to pay the toll to get on that <laughs> tax-free highway, right? Right. Um, when you're, when you're converting money from a 529 to a Roth, uh, at this point, that's not a taxable, uh, event. Okay. So essentially you put in after tax money in a 529, it grew and then it converted, um, you know, to the Roth and kept its tax-free status without getting taxed along the way. Awesome. Okay. Very good. All right. One more here. Uh, I also noticed there were some changes to company for one K matches. What are the details there? All right, so the changes to the company 401k match is an interesting one because one of the the key issues that young people have when they're coming out of school is student debt, right? So when they go into the workforce, now younger people are are really focused on trying to get that student debt paid, not only paid down, but they've got to start making those payments on that. So the new legislation says that if, if you're contributing to pay down your student debt, then they will allow you or they allow you to receive a company match if it's provided uh, without even contributing to the 401k plan as long as that equal dollar amount is being earmarked for uh, student debt. So to kind of you know put an example, let's say you have a 23-year-old that doesn't have, say, $300 to put into a 401k every month, they can at least get the company contribution uh, to his or her 401k by paying that $300 a month uh, for their student loan. So um, you're, get, you know, you're getting rewarded for paying down debt, which is a major problem here uh, in, in the United States. Um, there's a lot of debt, which is just hindering people from getting ahead. So, and so now, because people are paying down this debt, it's not allowing them to contribute as early and as often to their retirement accounts. But to the company, you know, it really doesn't change much, right? They're planning on making uh, matching contributions. Um, they're prepared to. So if you're making payments to your loan, you'll get those matching contributions uh, based on the way this is set up. So, 
something to think about if you're younger and in the workforce, uh, you know, look a little bit more into kind of how that works for your company plan. If, if anybody wants to review that or has questions, they can certainly find us. We'd be happy to help them out. But uh, Secure Act, again, just to kind of bring it home here, Ben, the, uh, there's a lot of, you know, I guess jargon, which we tend to put in the penalty box here on the retirement power play. Uh, but really, the, the, the RMD age, the special catch-up contributions, um, being able to transfer excess 529 funds, and the changes to the matching uh, in the company 401k are really things that uh, the, the key points that, that relate to uh, you know, our listeners. And hopefully this is helpful and brought some light to the situation. Yeah, I think it is for sure. And is this something though, that you're discussing with clients um, proactively, or are you just kind of taking it on a case-by-case basis as people you know, have questions about how it affects them? Yeah, well, just like the podcast, we, we have uh, publications. Uh, oh, that sounds so official, right? Publications. <laughs> we have um, you know, PDFs that we put together that summarize these types of things. And we like to get them out to our clients proactively, right? Because we got with our clients, you know, it takes a little while to go through with each one of them. But it allows them to sort of digest it, and then when we get together, we meet, we, we address specifically some of the issues that are uh, pertinent to them. Uh, but a lot of times, too, um, like, for example, the, the young person match, uh, we might have a client who is retired, and maybe their children are well into the workforce in their 30s or 40s. Um, and maybe they've got a, a grandchild that is sort of going through this. And so that 529 and the 401k match might be, you know, a, I guess a ancillary issue as it applies to them. It doesn't apply to them directly, but uh, if, if that information can pass down to, a, you know, another family member or, or even, you know, family friend or relative, then that can be impactful. So we like to take a proactive approach with this stuff. But you know, one other thing, too, is with, with all this information, half the battle is just sort of turning out the stuff that you don't need. And, um, you know, that's kind of our objective here today with these issues. Very good. If you have questions, you can always log on retirementpowerplaypodcast.com. Find all of our episodes there, but also you can call the office 858-459-3937. Any questions about the SECURE Act, anything we discuss today, or just any general retirement planning questions, you can always point them to Tim over at Dire Wealth Management. All right, Tim, very good. I know there's a lot more to this legislation, but I think it's a great starting point and glad we went through it. We'll keep you posted. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dire Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dire Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dire Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.